Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Thank you for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. We are on a journey to understand and to discover the phenomena that seems to exist all around the globe. We invite you to join us on this journey into the unknown. Episode of Fearscape Paranormal here on the Fearscape Media Network. I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I am joined as always by the man who cheers me up just by smelling him, Josh Rutledge. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's gotta be that manscaped soap that does it. That's what it is. Oh, shameless plug of our sponsor. <laughs> All right, yeah. Manscaped, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a really cool show tonight. Uh, we are gonna be talking about um uh a person that we've been wanting to talk about for quite some time, uh, Mr. Robert Monroe. Uh, Robert Monroe is uh, basically the, the founder of the Monroe Institute. Yeah, he's known for his research into altered consciousness. And this is the guy that popularized the term out of body experience uh, and even developed HemiSync, which is an audio technology to help facilitate uh, meditation and different things like that. So I'm really excited to talk about Robert Monroe, who was also a friend of Alan Hynix, I learned recently. Yeah. Well, there you go, show. There, there you go. There's, that's the show. So thanks, Stefan. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> uh, no, but we're going to be talking about Robert Monroe tonight. Very, very excited to be talking about one of the uh, pioneers of the paranormal. I mean, this guy... Yep. definitely uh definitely one of the <laughs> dudes everybody talks about even to it this certainly day. certainly blazed a trail for sure yes so. i would call him a trail blazer blazer of trails is not good enough for you nope nope that sounds it, that, that sounds too renfair it's like i am robert <laughs> monroe blazer, blazer of trails, of trails. <laughs> <laughs> be careful my trail is on fire uh but <laughs> Anywho, uh, just wanted to remind everybody, uh, this week uh, we have premiered uh, Tech Talk. So I'm super, super excited about that. Tech Talk through the debrief. Uh, you can go to debrief.org or go to the debrief's YouTube channel and check out our first episode of Tech Talk where we uh, have reviewed uh, the PreSonus uh, Studio 68C talking about all things tech uh what a what a fun experience josh it was a blast and i am happy to be able to work in our quirky nerdy side uh, you know and, and and let that kind of side breathe and fly free that's so. right well get out there uh and check out that show for us let the debrief know that our fans love science and technology as much as they love science fiction right science we we love sci-fi yeah. but also paranormal para science was that it or you know can i say parascience parify that, I, don't, I don't i don't i never thought parapsychology was the correct term for everything i think just a parascience would, would work what if it's more than two it's a well that's a pair of so that's a pair i know of science. if it's more than two though it's something it's not para it's something else 
Well, that's true. Well, try, unless there's try try science. Try yeah, I don't know. What is more? A bunch? A bunch of science? <laughs> Some. <laughs> yeah, because when it's bananas, it's a bunch. So yeah. Uh, anyways, boy, we're anyways. talking out of our keisters <laughs> here tonight. Uh make sure to go to fearscapepodcast.com uh as well as fearscapemedia.com. Check out all of our offerings there, uh, as well as fearscapepodcast.com slash support. Uh, where you can join our Patreon, uh, buymeacoffee.com slash Fearscape, where you can hook us up with a one-time gift to help us out there, uh, as well as fearscapepodcast.com slash store. If you want a yep. t-shirt, sticker, or any of the cool stuff that we've Bug. got out, we have a ton of new t-shirts you know. on there. Oh, yeah. That are Add funsies, in, big funsies. Sentences. And adding more all the time. So. All the time. Not just Fearscape uh, Media Network branded stuff, just fun, goofy, uh, yep. paranormal fun stuff. You know, you say... You know, I wish I had a shirt that had Bigfoot carrying a giant taco. We've right. got a shirt like that. So, <laughs> right. you know, head on over there. Head on over there. Anyways, Josh, let's get rocking and rolling, man. We got a great show. Uh, my body is is just leaving itself right now. Uh, so we can move to <laughs> yeah, our first we're segment. Gonna do, we're going to do the rest of the show from the astral plane. So. Yes, we are. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's move on to Psychic Word of the Week. And now. Psychic word of the week. Psychic word of the week comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary by June G. Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey bear. Uh, Robert Monroe is all through this dictionary. Um, I'm sure he. You just look it up, and he's all through it. But anyways, he's not what we're talking about tonight in Psycho Board of the Week because we do this uh, by flipping the pages and stopping and seeing what grabs our attention. Uh, and tonight, I landed on page 313, and the phrase that grabbed me was initiatory death. No. Oh. Uh, initiatory death comes from primitive Native American culture. Uh, it says a mystical ordeal whereby one goes through the death process by torture, such as having the flesh scraped off of the bone, then by the power of thought and with the efforts of one's etheric world helpers, one has a change of beliefs, is healed, resurrected, and consecrated with new knowledge. One then earns the right to heal the sick, perform, perform psychic skills, and assist others through the death process. Boy, that sounds like Christianity. <laughs> I mean, it didn't. Isn't that what Lazarus? You know that. that so. Well, not even. No, this this suits Jesus a lot more because the yeah. torture process. Lazarus just up and died. But right. Jesus, I mean, essentially had his meat scraped off. Um, you know, he all that stuff. And but I mean, this this term comes from native american culture pre uh white man bringing christianity over to here so i always find that very very interesting when similar spiritual thought processes like mm -hmm. are in cultures that never met and those are the things that make you go so does is it real? You know, like dragons, dragons, for example, being something that's in a lot of different cultures around the world and had been uh, gods are another, you know, I mean, things like that. Yeah. So I find that very, very interesting. But yeah, so that's a huge process there um, that one has to go through to be able to heal the sick and perform miracles where Jesus was able to do that ahead of time. 
I guess. Well, I mean, I guess we've talked about it a little bit on Astral Stew about the idea that was Jesus just practicing Reiki? Right. I mean, some serious, if, if it is like the Christian Bible says, some hardcore Reiki, um, where like in movies where somebody's got a healing power, you can see like just the skin like go yeah. back together. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? like, 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 uh, like Ray and, you know, and, yeah. and Kylo. You know? Ray and Kylo, I want to ship <laughs> them forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Junji Bletzer, uh, as always, for providing us with uh, new terms that I would have never thought of before in my life. So initiatory death is now entered my lexicon, and I'll be busting that out at Halloween because it's kind of weird and creepy. All right. All right. Well, our friend, the Jersey Devil, has returned from the South Pole, and he is very excited for us to move on to Cryptid of the Week. It's a Jersey Devil. Hope y'all are ready to meet some of my friends. Cryptid of the Week. All right, Josh, we are doing Cryptid of the Week. We are talking about one of JD's friends. That's right. We are talking about a really good friend of mine. And I just want to say thank you to everybody that tuned in and listened to me on Cryptidmas and uh, all the well-wishers that I got all over the world from people congratulating me on being the new Dark Lord Krampus. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone. And Josh, I love you and I love your eyeballs a lot. Well, thank you. you. You can have them when I die. Oh, I would appreciate that. In fact, I didn't want to ask because I thought it would be forthcoming. <laughs> you are a trailblazer, sir. A blazer of trails, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but, Stefan, I will hand this back to you. But I wanted to say thank you to all of you blanket huggers out there. And I will see you all, of course, whenever, but, of course, on cryptidness of this year. But until then, let me introduce you to the Bat Squad. That's right. Uh, thank you, JD. Uh, your bed is back. It is ready and warmed up and ready for you, sir. Uh, he's really excited, like I said, about being Godfather. So he's been painting pictures for my new child that will be here uh, of cryptids, uh, but like chibi versions, like all soft mm. and cuddly and stuff. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, but yeah, like he said, this week's cryptid of the week is Bat Squatch. Uh, sounds like uh, an amazing Batman villain. I think you had mentioned that when we were talking earlier. Uh, it even kind of looks kind of like Man Bat. Uh, yep. But Batsquatch just sounds like a really cool villain or even a cool hero. But uh, Batsquatch is a flying cryptid that was allegedly seen near Mount St. Helens in the 1980s. It resembles a flying primate similar to the Ahul and the uh, Orangbatai of Southeast Asia. And its name is derived from the words bat and Sasquatch. Uh, and so there are different images that we've seen. Uh, some look mostly just like a giant man bat. Some look like a Sasquatch with wings. Some look like a wolf with wings. I guess it all depends. Uh, but a witness allegedly took several pictures of the creature. However, these pictures have not yet been analyzed, thus cannot prove the creature's existence, which is crazy because it took place in the 1980s. Yeah, it's crazy. We were just out there. We were having us a photo shoot. We were trying to do modeling for Cryptid Monthly. And this guy just pulled up and he thought he tried to act like he was like the photographer. And he was just taking like Batty was just like, hey, man, I just I want to look good for the thing. And then when 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 the guy left, the actual photographer showed up. Well, 
Isn't that interesting? Yeah, make sure you check people's, like, IDs and stuff. <laughs> Especially in the 1980s. Maybe it was a men in black situation. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you, JD. And uh, yeah, make sure to check people's identifications in the 1980s, guys. <laughs> uh, anyway, so to continue on, here's the description, Josh. It says, this creature was said to have yellow eyes, a dog-like muzzle, blue fur, sharp teeth, bird-like feet, and leathery bat-like wings that span up to 50 feet. In addition, bat squatch is said to be nine feet tall and has the ability to affect car engines boy this is starting to sound like some of those chicago mothman sites yeah really yeah or the uh well just the ability to affect car engines is very indicative of you know early ufo mm -hmm. you know 60 50 60 kind of ufo reports so yeah uh, so there's a few sightings here. Uh, on April uh, 1994, Brian Canfield was driving in Washington's Pierce County when his truck suddenly died. Canfield said that a large creature landed in front of him. He said it was a human-like nine feet tall with bat-like wings and also sported a coat of blue fur. Uh, ever since then, it has not been seen and skeptics, of course, dismiss it as a hoax. Uh, a second sighting was reported in 2009 near Mount Shasta, California. Ooh. Several hikers witnessed a huge creature with leathery wings. Well, that was just Olaf Phillips <laughs> in cosplay. Um, but they say this spanned 50 feet long uh, fly out of a crevice in the mountain. And at first, an eyewitness described the creature as having a head similar to a pterodactyl. However, upon reconsideration, the witness claimed it was more uh, akin to a flying fox bat. Uh, the final sighting here is on June 11th. Phoenix Therese was in his yard walking his dog. He went to pick up the dog when he saw something in the sky. He said the following. I saw something flying in the sky. It had bat wings, blue fur, and had a face similar to eyes glowing red. It was about nine feet tall at the least. And after I watched it, it just flew away. On April 14, 2014, at Archbishop Hoban High School in Akron, Ohio, a second period Spanish class spotted a giant back mass zip by the window of the classroom at incredible speeds. And this class claims it was about nine feet tall with a 20 to 30 foot wingspan. Very, very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Watch. Very, I mean, you know, the kind of description there um, does sound similar to, you know, Mothman type stuff, too. Yeah. Mothman, the, the Ahul. Uh, yeah. Who knows? We, you know, they could all be related. We, yeah, we know, or, you know, they're all the same thing, just given different colloquial names. So, yep. Uh, which again, I love the name Bat Squatch. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, thank you, uh, Jersey Devil, for no, sharing no, 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 uh, no, 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 one of your friends with us. All right, Josh, let's go ahead and get moving to our UFO UAP sighting of the week. All right, our UFO UAP sighting of the week. Josh, what do we got? Where's it from? And what happened? Yeah, so this is a couple of years old. Um, it happened in August, September time, 2014 in Brownsville, Texas. So uh, just like uh, two months after this last Bat Squatch sighting. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> it goes like this. At around 3 to 4 p.m. on a sunny afternoon, my husband and I were alone in our neighborhood pool. 
As we looked up into the sky, we began to notice several groups of four to five white cigar-shaped flying objects. Approximately 12 groups of these objects eventually glided over us in the course of about eight to ten minutes. They were grouped very closely together, floating in total silence, but in a direct course from south, they were gliding horizontally across the sky. There were absolutely no observable windows, wings, tails, jet trails, or means of propulsion. It was obviously very difficult to determine their size or how high they were flying. My husband's very best guess is that each object was approximately 100 foot across and that they were flying approximately 20,000 feet above the ground. I had no phone or camera with me, but immediately when we returned home, I called the police, border patrol, the local airport, even the local FBI. None of them would confirm that there had been any other reports of this unusual phenomenon. Hmm, boy, you don't hear cigar-shaped sightings much anymore. Uh, and immediately, I would think Goodyear blimp, but they would have let her know, hey, there was a blimp in the area. Well, and the fact that there were like four to five, so there were 12 groups of four to five white cigar-shaped flying objects. I mean, it's, we call those bunches, Josh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a para. Anyway, so, but I mean, that's, blimps don't travel like that. You know, it just. <laughs> they're not like not, geese. <laughs> there's. There's, they're not geese. There's not, you know, like like blimp owners don't go up and fly together on the weekend. You know, it's I, just, feel, I feel like that is like what happens in the cars slash planes universe from Disney and Pixar is like that's what's that they're they're like geese are just blimps in the sky. I mean, what, paired up, you know, in, in the planes universe of the cars stuff, you know, so cars and planes, mm -hmm. what would their UFOs be? Would they be animals? Would they be birds? Actual birds would be their UFOs? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't. Well, <laughs> derailed. I don't know. I know. Derailed <laughs> for sure. I want to I want to write Pixar now and ask. Like we have some we have some paranormal questions about the cars and planes universe. <laughs> yeah. We ask the difficult questions. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a Sasquatch, what would it be? Right. Would it be what like would it a be? Ford Bronco? Right. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, Sasquatch is still very much very human like, right? Oh, it so could be. If, well, so I mean, like, what if what if their Sasquatch though is the Bigfoot monster truck? Yeah. Well, there you go. Would that mm -hmm. be that'd be copyright infringement though? Would be big feet. <laughs> <laughs> Made her be like, I've seen, I've seen him before. Get her done. <laughs> so, anyways, so yeah, good UFO report from. It's actually the year the year my uh, kids are born. So yeah, very very cool. Yeah, we still uh, old sightings are still sightings, man. Let me tell you, yep. we if we find something good, we want to cover it. Well, you um, know, not when, when I'm looking for these reports, I come across a lot of entries that I don't read because I read them. And they're like. You know, I've been watching the night sky for 50 years, and the other night I saw a line of white lights move across the sky low in the horizon, and I'm like, eh, that could be Starlink. So I'm not even going to mm -hmm. tell you guys about that one because I look for the ones that are – there's just no, in my opinion, based on the information that we have – there's no good explanation for what was described. Especially if we find that sighting pre-Starlink. Like if we find someone says there was a line of white lights in the sky, <laughs> that would be fun too to kind of take yeah. a look at. 
All right. Before we get to our topic tonight, Josh, I wanted to uh, touch on a quick little bit of creepy catch up. Uh, I don't have anything, but I know you got a little bit of something. So let's get to a little bit of creepy catch up. 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 Y'all, it's creepy. All right, Josh. Got a little creepy catch-up. Nothing creepy has happened to me uh, besides just after effects of eating chili. So I didn't feel like talking about that. So Ghost peppers are still ghosts. (laughs) They are ghosts of peppers. Ghosts of peppers. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, no. um, So the other night, so I I wear a sleep pad, a CPAP, you know, when I sleep. And I've I've talked about it on the show a couple of times. And um, um, sleep apnea is a real thing. And anybody out there, you should really get checked out if you think you might have it yep i had it for a while um but anyway so uh on the front of the cpap is a little hole on the front of the mask um to like expel carbon um dioxide right when you when you breathe you know you you breathe out carbon dioxide well um they tell you when you get it hey don't cover that little hole because then you end up recycle recirculating your carbon carbon dioxide and you could you know get die from it so um the other night i was sound asleep i mean i'm like gonna use this term and then i'm gonna laugh about it dead to the world and um (laughs) i heard my name called while i was sleeping and immediately woke up and when i woke up i realized that i had buried my face um like into the crevice between my, where my pillow and my wife's pillow meets. That's not a pillow. <laughs> and so that hole was blocked. Oh man. And, um, and I actually like, like had a headache and like I had symptoms of having, you know, too much carbon dioxide build up in my blood. So, um, when I rolled over and realized what had happened and like got up to kind of shake it off a little bit, I saw this uh, short, statured uh, shadow just kind of standing like in the corner of my room. And I chalked it up to, you know, oxygen deprivation. But, you know, it makes me wonder if like something, a spirit, a, a guide, whatever. Or a gray. Or whatever brought me out of it so that I didn't die. So, yeah. Man. That's my creepy catch-up. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy because I'm reading um, Whitley Stryber's book, uh, Communion, about his abduction experience and things like that. And his very opening thing is talking about laying in bed uh, and seeing a shadow figure uh, that exactly what you hmm. described as. So really wow. weird since I just read that today. So in a way, is a bit of a synchronicity. So Wow. Very, very... Ooh, interesting, man. <laughs> um, which reminds me, speaking of synchronicities, Penny Royal should be dropping this week yeah. uh, as well. Uh, so make sure you guys are listening to season two of Penny Royal. Uh, our friends, uh, Nathan and Kyle and, and everybody there at Penny Royal. You don't want to miss this. I, I'm so pumped for season two. Just wanted to yep. give a free yep. plug to those guys. Plug, plug, plug. So yep. much. Uh, but anyways, Josh, thank you for your creepy catch-up. That was indeed creepy. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and take a very quick uh, ad break here, and we are going to come right back talking about Robert Monroe, uh, Hemisync, out-of-body experience, uh, our dude, when we return. 
dear friends, I'm your headmister, Lord Stephen Gearhart. And I am your co-mister, the man with no name, Lance Wayne. And together we are the misters, misters of, of the... the, the oh, let's try it again. The misters, the misters of the... the, of the Lance! The misters of the dark! Don't shut up! Oh, whatever. Join us wherever you stream your favorite podcasts or go to mistersofthedark.com where we'll be discussing all things horror from films and books to everything in betweensies. We also have the occasional victim. <laughs> I mean, guest. <laughs> Only on the Fearscape Mania Network. <laughs> Shut up, Lance. I always get the last laugh. <laughs> Okie dokie. Welcome back, everybody, to Fearscape Paranormal. Uh, we are ready to rock and roll. Talking about Robert Monroe. Man, what a what a influential guy, Josh. Uh, I mean, oh, everything yeah. that we talk about, especially on Astral Stew. I mean, if there's mm -hmm. a place that we could talk about Robert Monroe and have talked about the things that he has uh, discovered, hemisync, uh, you know, out of body experiences and all, all altered consciousness and all of that. Boy, we talk about that on Astral Stew with Santosh yep. quite a bit. So, yep. So, um, yeah, but I mean, what's really interesting about Robert Monroe, too, is that he like yes he's known for all those things but he did a bunch of other amazing things mm -hmm. before any of that stuff ever happened and i like um, him because he's like me he's a kentucky and ohio boy yeah uh, he's cool. the reverse of me where i grew up or i uh was born in ohio lived there for a little while and then finished growing up in uh, kentucky he grew up in lexington and then moved to columbus and finished growing up there so very reverse and he was born in indiana yeah boy. oh man so he's kind of like uh lincoln trifecta yeah he's like lincoln yeah he is the kentucky anna valley so. <laughs> he is the kentucky anna ohio valley anna valley yeah <laughs> that's, that's what it's hilarious. named after. Yep. anyways so yeah born in 1915 uh which think about this um you know he he born he was born like back when the model t was rarely on the road yeah uh I and mean, fun fact uh dude was 12 pounds when he was yeah born. 12 yeah 12 in 1915 oh, it's already difficult in 2021 right. to have a 12 pound baby yeah. like i, I uh, just his mother i'm sorry yeah it's yeah i mean my brother jed was a big baby He's still but, a big uh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell him you said that. But anyways. <laughs> so anyway, so um, his mother uh, was a medical doctor, but didn't practice. Instead, she played the cello and the piano. Well, I mean, it's 1915. So right. um, a woman, she probably didn't have an opportunity. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like living in, in Lexington. I mean, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Um, his uh, father was a college professor of romance languages. Uh, Italian, French, Spanish. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, that's why his wife didn't mind having a 12. <laughs> <laughs> Speak French to me. <laughs> anyway, so uh, and also 
pretty awesome again in 1915 his father led summer tours to europe i mean that's just i mean again i just i just love thinking about i would not have probably made it very long had i been born in that time frame god summer tours also implies multiple tours and back then it was via boat right that's what i'm saying it's like yeah you're you're taking titanic-esque you know ships Yep. Uh, back and forth across the Atlantic. So, yep. um, but anyways, uh, he had uh, two sisters, uh, two older sisters, and a younger brother. Um, so he uh, went to Ohio State University. Go Buckeyes. O H I O. But in his sophomore year, he uh, had to drop out because he had a facial burn that caused him to fall behind in his stu- in his studies. I wonder what happened. I wonder if it was like in a lab or something. I don't know. Um, but what's interesting here is that he then um, like basically became a traveling gypsy hobo for a year because he couldn't find work. I mean, that was a thing. So if he was born in 1915, yeah. So you're looking in the 30s. So it's depression time. Yeah. I mean, immediately what comes to mind for me is of mice and men. Yeah. You know, those guys, they would, they just traveled around looking for work. And once that like harvest season was done, they moved on to the next place. Yeah. Uh, He did actually return though to Ohio State and graduated uh, pre-med. Oh, good man. Um, and actually, he it says here that he uh, did pre-med, English, engineering, and journalism. Oh, he sounds like me at college. Can't find a major. <laughs> right. So I was a history major, a music major. Uh, a, what's, what's it called when you just take a lot of classes and they tell you to graduate? Yeah. Like, uh, they call uh, it. Um, general studies or something. General or education. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. yeah so, there, there is a, a, a term for that. Just a gen ed degree. Yeah. Um, he uh, says here that he did have an early fascination with flying uh, and music, and he had great mechanical aptitude. Obviously, he did engineering and pre-med and everything else. Um, he displayed an ability to read music by the age of four without having to st- study the subject. They attribute this to his mother and sisters playing piano. Mm, okay, but well, still, I mean, a bit yeah. of an idiot savant to be able to see and learn. Right. So, um, you know, he, he had uh, a total of um, four wives. Same time? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been, that would have been, uh, I don't know. My, uh, he, he probably would have committed suicide. No, no offense to people who are married. Um, to four people. Like, like myself. <laughs> um, but uh, so, no, he, uh, he first married a woman in 1937 a graduate student, the daughter of a lawyer. He divorced, he divorced her in 1938. Probably lost everything. Daughter of a lawyer. Yeah, probably. Um, he then married a divorcee with a daughter in 1950. Um, and they had a child together, his only biological child. Um, her name is Lori. Um, they divorced in 1968. He then married again, uh, another divorcee with four children. Um, and then they remained married until her death from Brad's cancer in 1992. So, mm-hmm. sorry, three three marriages, my mistake. Um, so he he did also develop ulcers in a young adulthood, and so because of that, he was not drafted for World War II. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he instead worked, uh, this is totally awesome, he worked for a manufacturing company that designed a flight simulator. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, I really dig that. I already like this guy because he's got <laughs> like a head full of science and a head full of art, which is yeah. pretty hard to do sometimes. Hard to find. So yeah. very creative while also analytical. I'm really digging this guy. Um, he wrote for an aviation column in the Argosy magazine uh, and was given a job with the National Aeronautic Association for whom he produced a weekly radio show called Scramble. The primary purpose of which was to interest youth in aviation. Oh, okay. So not about eggs. No, it's nope. it's spelled like scramble with an exclamation point. And I would imagine it's being this. It's you know kind of around like post World War II yeah. time frame. It, <laughs> it's like a you know, yeah, you know that kind of stuff. And everybody's running for their planes and stuff like that. So, anyways. by the way, you guys can't see this at home, but Josh was like miming, turning a crank <laughs> on the old school air horns. Just yeah. letting you guys know, <laughs> he didn't think I saw it, but I saw it. <laughs> I forget when I'm reading my Word documents and stuff that you can actually still see me. So, <laughs> um, uh, In 1953, he formed uh, RAM Enterprises, or RAM. I don't know if it was called RAM at the time. Um, a corporation that produced network radio programs, as many as 28 programs monthly, uh, principally in dramatic and popular quiz shows. This guy is bouncing all over the yeah. career spectrum i he sounds like me and you like just well he sounds like, like he gets bored probably right yeah he, he like well, he, he had adhd he, like me he probably found you know he like he finds something he devotes his time to it and then once he feels like he's accomplished it or defeated it then he's like on to the next thing yeah. so um in uh 1956 the firm created a research and development division to study the effects of various sound patterns on human consciousness. Now we're getting into it. All right. Um, including the sleep state. Um, Monroe was especially attracted to the concept of sleep learning. Hmm. Um, one of his early um, experiments into the process of sleep learning is he took varying ages all the way from the age of seven a child by the age of seven, all the way up to uh, an elderly individual. And um, he played uh, tapes for them that would put them into a meditative state and then try to teach them something, you know, like mm -hmm. I think it was times tables was his first foray into it. Yeah. Um, and so that was just, again, th that's 1956, 57, when all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so uh, another fun fact. So 1927 was uh, when the psychophone was invented, uh, which ties into this really, really well. This was made for sleep learning by uh, Aloy Benjamin Salinger. Um, this was essentially... Uh, he says it's been proven that natural sleep is identical with hypnotic sleep and that during natural sleep, the unconscious mind is the most receptive to suggestions. He's one of the early pioneers, but psychophone always sounded like uh, a mixture of, you know, the psycho movies and uh, uh, I'm in your basement type movies. Um, but what's really See, interesting, one of my favorite movies from when I was uh, like a teen was called Ski School. And uh, <laughs> it, it is it is an awful movie now. 
Uh, but in one of the things that they would do is when people were sleeping, they would like get a funnel and, and speak underneath the door to try to do like hypnotic suggestion while they slept. Uh, and it's so funny now to know that that's probably all based off of some of Robert's yep. theories, off of Salinger's fe- theories and things yep. like that. So I you know that, that that psychophone also sounds like um, you and Santosh's uh, uh, witch mail. Oh yeah, well that's psychic phone. Yeah, but I mean that's what kind of what, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, to me, psycho but. phone is when your wife calls you mad because you 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 didn't do what you were supposed to do. And are you, you left early are, for the day? Are you really calling your pregnant wife psycho right now? Nope. No. I said, <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm calling the phone that she's calling. The on phone psycho. is. <laughs> okay. She is just in the right. Just, yeah, in the right. Always in the right. Never in the wrong. Uh, even when, never mind. She's always right. So um, the purpose, though, was to basically try to find a more constructive uses for knowledge than was ordinarily available. I mean, oh, could you imagine just learning while you sleep? I would love that. I mean, it's not as quick as like Neo in the Matrix or anything, but well, it's, it's similar to that. It reminds me, and I don't. Hopefully, I'm not giving anything away here for anybody who hasn't watched Lock and Key on Netflix. Uh, season two is out. I just finished it. It's amazing. Oh, my fa- one of my favorite shows and comic books. Um, but uh, you know, there's a specific key that allows you to kind of go into your mind, and all you have to do is take a book and throw it in there, and you know it. <laughs> so, yep, I love that. Or you can remove things to forget things as well. Right. Exactly. Really interesting. Yeah. So. Um, but uh, so, um, according to Monroe's own account, while experimenting with sleep learning in 1958, uh, he experienced an unusual phenomenon, which he described as sensations of paralysis and vibration accompanied by a bright light that appeared to be shining on him from a shallow angle. Uh, Monroe went on to say that this occurred another nine times over the next six weeks culminating in his first out-of-body experience an obe for sure an obe so i do want to remark i wonder if the reason he got into sleep learning was what we were just talking about how it seems like he bounces around like he gets bored from things and i wonder if he's like frustrated with himself he's like i just i can't stay with something and it's like i i you know i've tried to go after four different degrees but i couldn't stay with it you know like what if that was a thing he's like what if i can do this while i sleep because that's when i'm the most patient yeah, you know, because I do as someone who suffers from ADHD, which it kind of sounds like he had. Um, that is a problem that I have is is if if I'm not, you know, medicated or, or doing things to help uh, work with that. I do. You get bored really, really quick. Um, I I mean, you remember how often I used to move because I would move somewhere yeah. and after a year I was ready to move because I was done. I was even bored with the town. I was like, all right, new experience, need it. So I wonder yeah. if some of that had to do with that, where he was trying to figure out a way for himself to be able to learn things deeper uh, and have a broader understanding of them. Or, or to even maybe um, ramp up right the amount of time it takes to learn something new right so he sees something in the in a store window i wonder how that works he could go home you know learn about it a little bit make himself an audio tape and then play it while he's sleeping and oh yeah it sounds like a lot of those famous inventors or scientists or or people like that like benjamin franklin people like that that did micro sleeping um as a way to maximize their time 
uh, to be awake so that they could continue to invent and learn and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, so, but as you said in the, in the beginning, in the introduction for the show, um, he was kind of the first person to use the term out of body experience. Yeah. It, it all goes back to in modern times, especially to him. Now, um, in his, in his 1971 book, journeys out of the body which i just completed and is an amazing is an amazing book it's basically um if you want proof of -of out-of-body experiences read his book uh because it's full it's filled with dates times conditions like he he took a very um analytical approach to his out-of-body experiences he he would write he would journal after each one he would write down like the time of day it was, the atmospheric conditions, the temperature, uh, all this kind of stuff so that he could really track and collect the data on what it was that was happening, when did it usually happen, you know, when was when were his experiences the greatest versus the least, so on and so forth. So it's a very great book. I'll now, just... uh, and I'm sure you're going to get into this, but his out-of-body experiences, at this point, were they just during sleep or were they during awake as well or i mean are, are we no, looking so, at this as astral travel no so well i know that's two well, two heavy questions at once it is um so he, all of his as explained in his book all of his out-of-body experiences were not during sleep he would later so after his first kind of accidental if you will out-of-body experience mm-hmm. Um, in, in later sessions, when he would purposefully do it, excuse me, he would always do them um, before sleep or when he first woke up in the morning, because again, he didn't want to fall to sleep. He wanted to, or not even not even like before the end of the day. I mean, I'm talking like he might eat dinner and then go sit down with the purpose of having an out of body experience. <laughs> Like so, the now um, he was making these happen, uh, yes. or but they started out kind of accidentally during the so, sleep learning phase. So they started out, yeah, they started out accidental, um, but then he actually developed. So he's he's developed, he developed like four or five different techniques to. He breaks it down into phases, and again, he so the like the latter chapters of his book, he actually tells you. Okay, you've heard me tell you about um, all these experiences that I've had. Let me tell you how you yourself can have them. And so the later chapters of his books, he actually talks of his book. He talks about um, how he would. So there's like first you get into a very deep, relaxing state. Then you have to find the vibrations, he calls them. Then you have to bring the vibrations into your body. And you have to use them to raise your overall vibration. Hmm. Then you have to perform techniques to actually come out of the body, of which he has a couple different ways that he does that. And then you have to have a technique for getting back to your body. And he gives you a couple of different those techniques as well. And so to your second question of astro travel, that's different. So the way he the way he calls it again in his book, um, the title of the book journeys out of the body is he identified three locations what he calls locale one locale two and locale three locale one is the physical plane what you and i interact with on an everyday basis right locale two 
is the astral plane. Locale three is somewhere else. <laughs> so no answer. So um, possibly another dimension, heaven. I mean, he talks about his experiences in locale three, and for anybody, I don't. It's it's like a when you get to in the book his experiences in locale three. It's amazing the experiences that he has, and I don't <laughs> want to take that away from anybody who might read the book. Right. Um, so let me just say, uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about his experiences in Locale 3. If you don't want to hear them, skip ahead by four minutes. Yeah. Um, so his experiences in Locale 3, he first, it's like a different area, but it, it's it's similar to our Earth, our existence on this physical plane. But some a couple things he notices is there are no mechanical objects that use gasoline or oil they all use some some other form of uh of uh, mechanical motivation um they don't have cars they have individual basically like flintstone type cars mm. that they pedal around everywhere they go so if they go anywhere as a family they all take their individual pedal around on you know mobiles or whatever um, they travel in trains, very much like an old world locomotive, but it doesn't run on steam. It doesn't run on diesel. It, I mean, it, he can't tell what it runs on. Right. Um, he later in his locale three experiences actually finds out that there's a version of him that lives there. Oh, wow. And in his travels to locale three, he starts to phase into this versions of him's life so it's like a it's like a quantum leap type situation he phases into this person in the middle of whatever they're doing has no knowledge of what they were doing has no knowledge of you know like how to do what they were doing or like he's just his his consciousness is replacing theirs for a moment in time Man, in it almost world. sounds like um jim schmidt's book very much so yeah um so anyways that's that's kind of the stuff that is happening in locale three. And so it's, he, he, he basically ruins um, his alternate self's life in, in locale three. So he decides <laughs> not to go back. <laughs> um, like he like makes, he, it, you know, the guy ends up being divorced from this woman that he loved and the kids that he was, you know, were not his, but he was happy to, to call them his own. And because he keeps like, randomly popping in on this guy when he's like in the middle of doing a presentation or developing <laughs> whoopsie yeah or to, you know developing some new technology because that happens he basically ruins this other guy's life and so he decides not to go back to locale three wow um but how he finds locale three is just really amazing so yeah so anybody who uh tuned out to not hear about locale three let me tell you about locale two so locale two is um the astral plane and so when he goes to locale two he really he kind of envisions it more of like he's he's not even sure he's leaving our physical plane or if he's just going somewhere internal to his consciousness right uh, but he is he does interact with spirit he gets attacked by things there's he talks about a time when he was on vacation and he came out of his body and there were three beings in his room and they started poking him and pulling at him 
and just being like aggressive with him and everything and he was trying to uh, get back into his body and they were laughing about him saying look at this fool trying to get back into his body and all this kind of stuff so Jeez. yeah i mean we've um, definitely talked to santosh about stuff like that so um but locale one is where he spends the most of his time and that is just exploring our physical plane but in his what he calls his second body right so i mean he goes and visits his friends and he goes and visits a a doctor of his that lives across town and um you know he says one thing and this is is something i really resonated with because it's something that i've uh kicked around a lot over the last six months is when you're in this the second body and you want to travel to like like, let's say i was able to be in the second body and i wanted to come see your room your your, your room in your apartment I don't think of a physical address. I think of your personality. Yeah. I think of who you are, not even your name. I think of your personality. And then I'm whisked away and then I show up at your, you know, apartment because it it goes to wherever you are, not wherever you, you know, it, it's it's not like I can just think about your physical address and go there. That's that's what he talks about. It's just um you go to the the person you want to see. You have to think about them, and then it'll take you to you know you'll go to wherever they are, regardless of uh, if they're at home, if they're at a restaurant, whatever the case may be. So yeah. I think I've told you before that's similar to my dad. Um, back when he was younger in his teenage years and stuff, he had um, done some astral travel type stuff, and I don't know the story exactly, but it involved either him astral traveling to his friend's house who he'd never been to or vice versa and being 100% accurate uh, on either side. I can't remember which one, but it freaking him out so much Mm. that he never did it again. And he still won't talk about it. He acts like it wasn't a thing, but everybody in the family talks about it, you know, as a, as a thing that had happened to him. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, I've since reading the book and, um, him you know kind of going over the techniques and stuff i have tried a couple times and and i've gotten to where i feel the vibrations like i've been able to follow his methodology to find the vibrations um but that's as far as i've gotten so far so it's still cool that i can find the vibrations that he speaks about so yeah absolutely um, but um so yeah so that company that he started again that 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 ram or ram depending on how he pronounced it um, in 1962, they moved to Virginia, um, and that's when they actually renamed it. Sorry, uh, they moved to Virginia. It didn't have um, internet where they moved to, so he started a company that brought um, not internet, telephone services, uh, and cable services into the area that he was in. So basically, he moved to an area that didn't have cable services, so he started mm-hmm. his own. <laughs> I like this guy, man. Like, I, I like this. This is more than uh, what I had researched in. And this, I like that. I like this guy. Um, and, then, and at that point in time, he changed the name of the company to Monroe Industries. I mean, why not? Yeah. Um, Better than and, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in 1985, the... Um, the company changed its name again to interstate industries. 
So this was a reflection of Monroe's analogy uh, to hemisync. Ah, here we go. Yep. Which serves as a ramp from the local road to the interstate and allowing people to go full steam ahead in the exploration of consciousness. Ah, so, that makes sense. That makes sense. So he actually patented hemisync. I love hemisync. Man. Yeah. I mean, so I'm going to, because I don't see a way to talk about hemisync without talking about the gateway experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to not to make it too, but so I'm going to tie the two together real quick. So he also produced a program called the gateway experience, which is a series of tapes that basically allow you to, if you do all of them, um, there's, you know, wave one, wave two, all the way through six, I believe. If you do all of them, it allows you to explore your consciousness and repurpose your body's energies in other ways. Uh, it's the best way I can say it. Yeah. Um, and I've, in the first tape, the first recording for Gateway Experience is to put you into Hemisync. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first night that I did it, I, I did it right before bed. Um, and I did the first tape and it put me into Hemisync. And I could not go to sleep. When I finally did go to sleep, I had the craziest dreams. I remember that, that you started, whereas for me, it like knocked me out. Yeah. And I think Santosh, when he did it, he reported that he also had uh, some crazy dreams. When yeah, he did I think it. we so, all did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so Hemisync, what it basically does um, at any given moment, you're doing stuff, you're using either your left brain or your right brain. You know, your brain is divided into halves. Your left brain controls the right side of your body. The right brain controls the left side of the body, so on and so forth. What Hemisync does is he basically figured out a way to play binaural beats on two different frequencies, one in the left ear and one in the right ear. And what it causes is it causes your brain to synchronize both hemispheres using your whole brain. So that's why it's called Hemisync, because it's your hem- your left hemisphere, your right hemisphere of your brain. By doing this, it causes them to synchronize and function now as one whole brain. So you're getting all of your brain's functioning power at the same time. Right. And that's kind of the basis of a lot of his programs is getting you into that hemisync, hemis, not sphinx, hemisync, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the hemi sphincter that, yeah that's that's if your sphincters is about it into two halves but <laughs> um <laughs> but the hemi hemi sync uh gets you into that kind of condition and then from there that's like your jumping off point to do all the other work that he's uh got going on right um and so you know i've often or not often but recently wondered if I would have better results with uh, doing his out of the out of body stuff because he came out with Hemisync much later than his out. You know, he wrote the out of the out of body book in 1971. He came out with he developed Hemisync in sometime in the mid mid 80 early 80s. So, wonder if I were to take his Hemisync, run that first, and then try out of body stuff if I would have different results. Mm. But anyways. Um, so now, uh, you know, it, it is a full fledged Monroe Institute. 
Um, Which is and super cool. I would love it to is have super a Gearheart cool. Institute. <laughs> well, that's not that's not vain at all. So, anyways, um, <laughs> the Monroe Institute is a nonprofit education and research organization devoted to the exploration of human consciousness. Consciousness, based in Faber, Virginia. Uh, 20,000 people are estimated to have attended a TMI residential gateway program during its first 30 years. Um, consumers of the audio industry founded on its research running into the millions. Um, the CIA evaluated the gateway experience. Yes, that, which is how we discovered it. Which is how we discovered on it. On looking at old CIA documents. Right. <laughs> um, so... When the CIA did their big, you know, kind of declassification dump many years ago, several people were just, you know, because they just sit around and dig through all CIA files, um, <laughs> came across the Gateway Experience. And so, I mean, people obviously knew the Monroe Institute, but it was still really interesting to see that the CIA, you know, back in their, their time of, you know, men who stare at goats and all of that kind of stuff, um, were evaluating the gateway experience and how it could potentially be used for remote viewing mm-hmm. um, as well as out-of-body experiences for spy type stuff. Yeah. Um, so the uh, just a moment. So he uh, started or found TMI after he started having what he called his out-of-body experiences. Um, and the Institute is housed in several buildings on 300 acres. Um, one of its activities includes teaching various techniques based on audio guidance processes in order to expand its consciousness and explore areas of consciousness not normally available in the waking state. Um, jumping back in time just a little bit, uh, in 1978, the U.S. military actually sent officers for OBE training. Yeah, now we're starting to get into like <clears throat> remote viewing, MK Ultra. Like this is they were really trying to find anything they could to beat the Russians, man. Like, yep, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you know, there's a you can go to the Monroe Institute today, their website, um, and you can sign up for any of their programs. Uh, they do a gateway experience program that's like an eight-week program it you know kind of walks you through a step-by-step mm-hmm. you can you can buy and download just the audio files and stuff that goes along with it for you to do it at your own pace if you will um but yeah it's uh if you so kind of where where i am i'm going to take a step back to kind of our personal journey if you will mm-hmm. so kind of where i am is i'm at the point where i'm feeling like um, initiation for us was, or at least for me, was seeing that UFO in my backyard. Right. Right. That's kind of what set me down the path two years ago. Um, and I'm at the point now where I'm thinking because the last couple of times that we've gone out with the psionics and stuff, we haven't really seen much UFO type stuff, but we have had a lot of, I would, I would call expanded consciousness type activities happen. Sure. And so I'm. Well, at we've the, been doing more expanded right. type consciousness stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I'll give credit where credit is due to CE5 Stephen Greer kind of opening that window for us a little yeah. bit to try that route. 
Yep. Um, and also uh, information from the uh, the contact, you know, uh, referring to himself as Terry Wrist, mm-hmm. also pushing us towards uh, really investigating and getting into like astral travel type stuff as well. Right. Um, so my my focus has shifted uh, kind of away from, you know, I still look at the night sky because it's the night sky and it's amazing. Right. But I don't necessarily look for UFOs. What I'm really looking for now is that internal uh, journey. And, um, you know, the gateway experience, I think, uh, in other stuff that the Monroe Institute has to offer can really, I think, further me in my current state of my current journey. Um, I will say also the Monroe Institute does have an app and there are parts of it that are free and there are parts of it that are not the the pro if you buy the pro it's not too terribly expensive but you can you can actually take the full gateway experience uh, via the app as well and then um they also have meditations so if you just wanted a five minute meditation using hemisync to mm-hmm. you know get you uh mindfully ready for an interview whatever you know, it's something that they do offer on their app, and that's available for the non-pro uh, version. So, um, cool. so yeah, I mean, I, Robert Murrow, an amazing man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that he's no longer physically with us. Uh, he might be in locale three, uh, being messed up by somebody else that's <laughs> right uh, traveling. Um, but uh, I highly recommend his book. That the book that I spoke of, by the way, is not his only book. He's written a couple others. Yeah, in um, fact, the out of a body experience book is a set of trilogy. Um, there's far journeys and ultimate journey as yeah. well that kind of make a trilogy of that, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but the one written in 1971 was his first of sort. Yeah. Um, and he goes into some stuff there, you know, in later chapters about how he first realized that he might have something else going on. Things that happened to him early in his life that only upon after finding out-of-body experiences and those types of things that he realized that those things were special in nature. Um, Like he had a dream once that he uh, found some money outside of his house. So the next day he got up and he walked outside and he looked where he he saw in his dream and there was some money laying there. Hey, that goes along the lines of uh, our psychic word of the week last week. Yeah. So anyways, um, but yeah, even like I had said, man, uh, you know, Robert Monroe and uh, Alan Hynek uh, towards the end uh, were really close friends because Hynek was really starting to get into a non-UFO side of things and was really getting into uh, psychic experiences, out-of-body experiences, dimensional uh, things like that. And so uh, with both of them being from Ohio, uh, you know, it kind of made sense, you know, Hynek being uh, teaching at the Ohio State University there. So uh, very interesting to I mean, see two of these pioneers here uh, hanging out and working with one another. It, it does seem like um, in all the people that we've talked to, you know, since doing the show and, and things that people who are into ufos and stuff do eventually seem to 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 make a turn towards internal um the internal journey you know the psychic journey the astral body whatever the case may be It, it it really makes you wonder if seeing a ufo is an initiation of of sorts it's it's supposed to spark your interest to lead you to the path that ultimately takes you more to an internal journey more so than looking for what is external or macro. 
right? right. So, cool, but anyways, man. very very cool dude. Um, wish I could have met him in person. Same. Uh, yeah, definitely check out his books. Check out the Monroe Institute uh, and uh, all that jazz. Josh, I appreciate it. Um, so we're going to start wrapping things up here. Uh, once again, Robert Monroe, Hemisync. There's lots of cool Hemisync stuff, even on Spotify, uh, yep. places like that. You can check out. There's a lot of groovy meditations, YouTube, all that stuff, uh, similar to binaural beats in a lot of ways. Uh, sometimes those things get go hand in hand, get put together as well. I've seen some stuff. Um, but the big, you know, of course, the big thing with his is, and you don't really find this on YouTube because of the way that audio on YouTube is put together. But his is they play one set of tones in your left ear and another set of tones in your right ear. Mm -hmm. So unless somebody's formatted that audio to work that way on YouTube, it's not going to be exactly the same as Hemisync. You can right. still get binaural, binaural beats, but it's not the same as Hemisync. Right. Uh, but yeah, cool, man. Excellent. Well, let's go ahead and start uh, wrapping up. Like I said, I uh, want to get moving to our uh, final segment as usual, which is Encounters from the Fearscape. All right, Josh, the encounter from the Fearscape comes from uh, a woman that lives in Kentucky. But the reason I picked it is uh, the story comes from when she was living in Columbus at the time, uh, home of the Ohio State University <laughs> and everything we've been talking about today. Uh, but this comes from uh, a woman who goes by the moniker of Emerald Dahlia. And uh, this is her story. When I lived in Marion Village in Columbus, I swore that the house was haunted. Now, I never saw it, but it felt like a mean, pranksterish, older guy. And I always felt the need to avoid it, and that feeling never went away with the familiarity of the house. Uh, later on, a friend of mine told me that it felt the same way to them, and I had never even described the place, the man, or the feeling. Wow. That's pudding. a that's pudding. pudding. Yeah, as I say, that's what you're putting moment, right? So yep. you you gotta love that man. Those pudding moments you, you kinda go, okay, so it wasn't just me. Yeah. It wasn't just me. Yeah, it's very cool. So thank you all for sharing that. Um yeah, thank you, Emerald. Uh and always as always, send in your uh, encounters, your listener stories to us. Um, you can send those to fearscapepodcast at gmail.com or just hit us up on any of our social medias or submit a sighting on our website. Uh, you can do all that stuff. Um, but just a reminder, check out the debriefs tech talk with Josh yeah. and myself. Um, really, really get out there. Check that out. Uh, we'll be posting it all over our social media. Uh, so, you know, right where exactly to go. And of course, as always, just get out there and check out the debrief. Such amazing news in terms of science, technology yep. and defense and UFOs and all the fun stuff. Uh, they they have their head in the game. Let me tell you. So. Yep. The Matrix game. So. The Matrix game. Woo! Uh, all right. Well, Josh, let's rock and roll. Let's get out of here, man. I uh, wanted to just say thank you to all of you blanket huggers out there. We love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in, as you do, to Fearscape Paranormal here on the Fearscape Media Network. This has been Stefan. And just a reminder, keep your eyes on the skies. And this has been Josh. The truth is now. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight. Things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. 
We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown. Please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscapepodcast.com forward slash support.